Well, hello, everyone. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you again, as we study another psalm, Psalm 112, Lord, may our hearts be open, may our ears be open, ready to receive what you want for us. Lord, we thank you for the reason of these psalms. They're so unique, each and every one of them. And Lord, I just pray that we will let Psalm 112 really go right to the depths of our soul, that we will hear you today that maybe if there's some specific need that someone is having today, that they will hear this psalm and they will, they will just sense exactly what this psalm is saying. Father, you are so close. We love you. And we will truly give you all the praise for what you're going to do in this one psalm today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true and it's all that I need. So many of the psalms start with praise the Lord, hallelujah, and rightly so. I mean, when you praise the Lord, and I think I asked that in the first question, I mean, did you ever think what the purpose of praising the Lord is for? I mean, why it's such a good thing? Why it's such a prevalent part, either in a service or, or maybe even in your own life? Don't you find that when you are, because praise is so much more than just singing or praise is an attitude of your heart. Praise is something that you and I should be doing so much more in a day because what does it do? It gets our eyes and our focus off ourself and onto him. So the psalmist starts, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And of course, that word fear is not scared to death. That word fear means a profound reverence. You stand in awe. Are you standing in awe of him right now? When was the last time, and I pray that these weeks of Psalms are maybe helping us do that more, that we'll maybe stop in the busyness of our day or something and just stop and look around and realize that we are his and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We belong to him. Do you stand in, in awe? I stand in awe of you today, Lord, because of who you are and what you have done for my soul. And blessed is the man who is willing to do that. And then that verse goes on to say, and who also finds great delight in his commands. When you get to that point, you know you are on the right track. That you will be blessed because you stand in awe of who he is. And you also find great delight in his commands, in his word. That you can't wait to study you can't wait for that time in your day 
instead of quickly trying to fit it in. You look forward to this time. You find great delight because you know that in his word, not only are there his commands, and his commands aren't because he's bossy and mean. It's because he knows us so well and knows that, and knows that we need strict commands to how to live. Also, it, you know it's the great advice. It, this word will give you such great advice. And it will also... It will also give you strict instructions. I mean, when you, when you read the Gospels and you hear like the Sermon on the Mount or when you hear the, the letters of Paul, when you hear the Spirit working through these writers, it's such good instruction. It's such good guidance. God's word will give guidance. And, and who doesn't need guidance? Who doesn't need to get back on the right track and start moving forward again? How many of us are continuously either sitting still or moving backwards? But God's word will give us the commands to keep us on track. And when we're, we're not, when we fall short, to get us back on, to instruct us, to be able to give advice. His children will be mighty in the land. The person who fears the Lord, who loves the word of God, and lives by it. It says his children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. I don't know, I, I sat and pondered this because I know that there's so many people who have lived their life so, so for the Lord and yet their children have made wrong choices and have chosen a different path. So what does that actually mean? And I was just sitting there, and I think it's talking about the legacy. A person who fears the Lord, a person who loves his, God's word and who lives by it. It's such a powerful testimony to their children. And we live in a day and age where so much of our information and some of it, so much of what we live for is to have it so that our children don't have to have it as hard as we did. We try to make it easier for them. And so I'm just going to throw this out to you because for me it was, it was major. I thought about, okay, what am I leaving my children? What am I leaving the next generation? What am I living and doing today that's going to be reflected on the next generation? How much emphasis am I, am I making on making sure that I leave my children gold and silver and that I make it easy for them, that, 
They, they have enough that I'm leaving them this, this amount. But then I got thinking, you know, think of how much we think about that, and yet none of that is lasting. If I'm thinking about their pros earthly prosperity, that's not lasting. Rather, I think the one who serves the Lord, who fears the Lord, who loves God's word, is going to make sure that their testimony, which is far more than any gold or silver, Am I living for the Lord and am I serving? Am I commending my children into God's will? Am I commending my children into God's protection? Is this the legacy I'm leaving them? Am I praying every day, Lord, do what you have to do to these children to keep them close to you? And then do I look at my life and what kind of testimony am I, as they look at me, not only hear my words, but watch my life, my lifestyle, my commitment, my priorities? Because the person who fears the Lord and loves his word is going to have a whole different outlook on the future and the prosperity of their children, either earthbound prosperity or heavenly bound prosperity. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Again, you would like to think that, well, you know, if I if I wear the name Christian on my back and I go to church, then this is what I'm promised. That my children will be fine. That I'll have plenty of money. But I keep repeating, I think it comes up every week. God is not as interested in our exterior as he is in our interior. And so when he is using his word to speak to us. He's talking about our inner self that he wants to work on because that's the part of us that will live on forever. So when he talks about wealth and riches, I know, I know that he can mean it literally if he wants. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. So obviously, he, he gives certain people literally wealth and riches. But spiritually, and I think this is the message he gives to all of us. Because he is so concerned about our spiritual. Are you wealthy and rich spiritually? Who did he consider Wealthy. Remember the story of the widow when all the people were putting in their money, making sure everybody saw how much money they were putting in to the offering basket. Here comes this widow lady who gives 
her all. What about the church in Laodicea that looked like from the outside, of course, I mean, from earthly materialism, they had much wealth and many riches. And now Jesus had John say to them, you think you're rich, and yet you're poor. I remember I used to sing a song that said, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. And then there was a part that said, and now let the weak say, I am strong. And let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. And I haven't sung that song in many, many years, and it came back to me as clear as can be when I was studying this, because I thought, how often don't we get caught up again in all the earthly materialism? And when he's reminded us in this psalm, what I want from you is for you to fear me. Are you standing in awe of who I am? Do you have a, pro a profound reverence for me? Do you love my word? Are you living your life accordingly? So then out of the overflow of your life is the testimony that your children need to see. Do you know that because of what the Lord has done for you, you are rich? Earthly riches, and even though we can say this a million times, and you hear all these cutesy little things, you can't pull you all to heaven. It's really true. And yet, even though we know that our lives here are but a vapor, we know that our time here is like a speck compared to eternity. And yet how much conscientious effort we make and how we buy into the way the world thinks and then we think we need that for our kids. Earthly riches do not last. But the righteous, the righteous who have been made right by the blood of Christ endures forever. The ones who fear the Lord, who love his word, are living in a right standing with God. I love it when he says, and his righteousness endures forever. his righteousness, his graciousness in our lives, his compassion in our lives, his very character in our lives. That endures forever. And that is what comes out of us. And that is what we want the people we love the most to be able to see. Verse 4, even in darkness, 
Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For the gracious and the compassionate and righteous man. Even in the darkness, light dawns for the upright. It kind of reminds me of last week when we, when we heard it's kind of like a repetition. The psalmist wants us to again be reminded that weeping lasts for the night. Joy comes in the morning. Night doesn't last forever. So even in the darkness, the light of what we know, the light of the relationship we have with our Savior, the very light of Jesus can be shining. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. So when he uses the words gracious, compassionate, a right standing. So in other words, the character of Christ coming out of us. Good will come. It's not something that self does. It just, because of the character of God, he's doing it through us. That's why we can't take credit for it. The Holy Spirit wants to work graciousness, compassion, righteous living. He wants to work that through us. Isn't that amazing that the Holy Spirit can produce godly character through you and I? I think that is just, I think that is just such a miracle. I mean, that's why transformation is such a miracle. That's why when somebody ever asks me, how do you know you're saved? How do you know the Holy Spirit lives within you? How do you know? It's just so for, it's so easy for me to say, I look in the mirror. I mean, no one knows you better than you do, of course, other than, than God. But you know yourself and you know where you can start to see the transformation. And you can start to see godly characteristics coming out of you. When you start seeing that you're light in the middle of darkness, when everybody's talking doom and despair, that we can have this light of hope radiating from us. Yeah, he says, no wonder we can praise the Lord and say hallelujah. Because when you fear the Lord, when you love his word, these kinds of things are changing you. You're being transformed. And you're watching yourself do and be what you never thought you could. You find that you can lend generously. I mean, if somebody's in need, there's the compassion. I keep thinking, and this is why I think that parable is in there, why we 
continuously are reminded of that priest and that Levite. How you can be so religious and yet you can walk around a person that has a need. But when you fear the Lord and you, are, you just love his word, I'm telling you, you can start to see yourself be more compassionate. You can find that the grace God had for you, that Jesus showed specifically on the cross for you, that we can work that same grace out. I wrote on my paper, I wrote, it says, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. You're, you're wise. You make decisions with godly wisdom. That when you're living in that right stand, you might be willing to lend. But you're, if, you don't, if you don't need to, you're not going to borrow and you're certainly not going to hoard. And you're going to be free from that temptation. And you say, oh, no, no, that would never be me. We can be compassionate in our heart, and that is wonderful to be able to lend if need be. But I just think there is a fine line between if we don't need it, we shouldn't borrow, we shouldn't hoard. Because that's where self wants to try to sneak in. And then look at these words. Who conducts his affairs with justice. I think, again, I repeat, make decisions with godly wisdom. And then surely he will never be shaken. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Can you imagine never being shaken? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna hear about bad news. I mean the next verse is he will have no fear of bad news. I mean Bad news is all around us. I mean, we get, we get bad news in families, our health, business, unfaithfulness. I mean, when we get up in the morning, none of us knows if we're going to get some bad news. You know, it's easy to know our behavior when we get good news. But I think the, the question and where we had to check our heart condition and our godly character and to see if we are being transformed is when the bad news comes. And I just can't say it enough. I mean, it surprises us. It can come in any direction. It can come when you least expect. It might not make any sense at all why this would happen to you, let alone you don't like it. 
But look what he says. Surely the one who fears the Lord, the one who is grounded in God's word, who, by the way, the more you know of God's word, the more the Holy Spirit can help you recall God's word just when you need it. And so I feel that's why it says, surely he will never be shaken. You won't be shaken because you will listen to the Holy Spirit remind you of what God promised. That he's there. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Isn't that a thought? A righteous man will be remembered forever. A person who has godly character, the person who has feared the Lord, the person who has lived according to God's word, who lives in a right standing with God will be remembered. He will have no fear of bad news. He will have no fear of that bad news. I think we've already come to the conclusion that bad news happens. But now we're to the point of, okay, what do you do? Do you fear? Do you panic? But look, it says, he will have no fear of bad news. Instead, his heart is steadfast. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steadfast. Isn't that a powerful word? Isn't that a word you want when bad news hits? Instead of floundering, instead of all of a sudden fearing and panicking, you hear the Holy Spirit say, you can still be steadfast. Your stand doesn't have to change. You don't have to be fickle. You don't have to be undecided. You can know you will be steadfast because you are trusting the Lord. Because you believe the Lord is up to something. His heart is secure. Because you know him, you fear him, you're in awe of him. You you have profound reverence in who he is. You have complete confidence that he's your God. Your heart is secure. You won't have fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. Just think, I couldn't help again of thinking of a song that if you do it right, if you... If your heart is secure, if you do not have fear because you're steadfast, because you trust him, because again, you know his word, you're listening to his spirit, you will handle the situation right in the end. You can look at the situation, you can look at the way you reacted in triumph. It didn't beat you. 
Your feelings did not get bigger than your faith. You did not fall apart. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Our trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So let's bravely run this race by fearing him, by loving his word, till we see Christ. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. I just want, I'm going to list for you what I think that verse means as far as it gives such a beautiful profile of what the person who fears the Lord is like. God-fearing lover of his word. You're prosperous, you're rich, and you're wealthy under God's provisions and blessings. You make a home. You, you make a home for your family with spiritual leadership. You're loving and kind, compassionate, helping, Wise, strong, generous. You won't abuse power. I included this. You'll be hated by the wicked. But again, it will be so worth it. That's quite a profile, isn't it? That's what I took from this psalm. The profile for the righteous the righteous man or woman who is willing to fear the Lord, stand in awe of him and love his word, stay in his word, obey his word, abide in him. That is quite a beautiful profile. And then the psalm ends with a contrast. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. And when you think of the word wicked, we have a tendency to just think of so-called bad people. But according to scripture, according to the, the Lord's definition of wicked, it's anyone who has not humbled themselves to see their need for a savior, who've surrendered themselves, believe that Jesus paid it all, and want to live their life accordingly. He'll be vexed. He'll gnash his teeth. And he'll come to nothing. What a life of waste. It really is something to think about, isn't it? It's right there. Father in heaven, I pray that we do think about it. What a profile we can look like when we fear the Lord. There isn't any one of us that want to think that we've lived a wasted life.
But this psalm so simply tells us how we don't have to. It's our call. Father, again, thank you for making it so clear. Now it's up to us to whether we want to see ourselves in it and do something about it or move on. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God will just come over us and make us stop once in a while and say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to choose because if we hadn't had a Savior, we would totally be lost. But we do have a Savior. And again, I say it's up to us of what we're going to do with him. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.